Jesus took with him Peter, John, and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his countenance was altered. My dear brothers and sisters, we are already 10 days into this wonderful season. The season of intense preparation for the life of Easter. Not just for the feast of Easter, but for the life of Easter. During Lent, we practice what we should be as Christians. The first Sunday of Lent presents us with Jesus' encounter with himself, with the evil one, with his God, presents us with the importance of decision early enough in our life. This second Sunday presents us again with Jesus' encounter, and this time along with his apostles, some of them, with the glory that he had before he came to the world, as he would pray in John's Gospel, chapter 17. The glory he had with the Father before the beginning of the world. And the glory that he would have at the resurrection. But he took these apostles to experience this glory in order, also in order to prepare them and to teach them the basis and the meaning of what he was going to go through in Jerusalem. Before Jesus went up to the mountain with his disciples, with his apostles, Luke chapter 9, verse 22. After he had asked the apostles, Who do you say I am? And Peter rightly said, You are the Christ. He told them not to tell anybody. And announced in verse 22, Since they had now understood he was the Messiah, He told them, The Son of Man, must suffer greatly 
and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. And on the third day, the Son of Man will be raised. Matthew and Mark tell us that after having told them this, Peter told him, God forbid, this will not happen to you. It was therefore clear to Jesus that although God had revealed to Peter that he was the Messiah, they did not understand who he was, what type of Messiah he was. And he took them to the mountain. Luke alone tells us that they went there to pray. Luke's gospel emphasizes prayer several times. And as I always encourage you, when you read the gospel, compare the passages between the various gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You will notice that although Matthew, Mark, and Luke are similar, there are still differences. Don't worry yourself about the details of those differences, but let them add to your understanding of the message. Luke tells us they went to pray, and as they were, as he was praying, his countenance, his face changed. Answer as loudly as you can, if you remember. Catechism, Juranye, Guinea Boyo, Guazania, Guinea Boyo. I'm going microphone. When Jesus was praying, and each time the Gospels tell us that Jesus went to pray, that means went to be with the Father or to emphasize the presence of the Father in his life. And this moment of his unity with the Father changed his countenance. I want to tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, any time you are really praying and praying well, your face changes. Your life changes. You may be suffering, but people see some type of serenity and joy in your eyes. If you are living a life of prayer, that is a life conscious of the presence of God. That is heaping up empty words 
as the hypocrites do, Jesus told us on the Sermon on the Mount. You remember the experience of Moses in the book of Exodus when he went to collect the commandments, the covenant from God. When he was coming down from the mountain, his face was dazzling and the people were afraid of him. Any child of God who constantly lives his or her life conscious of the presence of God, it is noticed in their face, in their eyes, in their words, in their behavior. Jesus in the presence of God, the Father, and his countenance changed. As our people will say, Ushine Mado, for. And that affected even his clothes. Because everything around you changes according to your own relationship with God. What is destroying Nigeria is that our religions, plural, are no longer about God. For many people. I have said it in another occasion. And I repeat it frequently. For many Nigerians, Christianity has become only a means of solving immediate problems and for many for, of acquiring immediate wealth. You go to the pastor to sow seed so that you will become rich. You come to the church to do harvest so that you become rich. And the pastor or the priest asks you to give more so that you become rich. And I will always tell you, anybody who tells you that if you give money to God, he will multiply your own. Let him take the little he has and give it to God so that God will multiply his own and he won't ask from you again. But that is what religion, Christianity, has become for many and Paul tells us in this second reading that many of us are living as people who are enemies of the Christ, cross of Christ, being proud in what they should be ashamed of because all that interests them is what will satisfy immediate need. Christianity that has just become mere materialism and pursuit of material wealth and well-being. And for many Muslims, Islam has become only a platform for control of power in Nigeria and manipulation of the poor. Those Muslims who have become violent and are killing others are victims of the manipulation of those leaders who want to use them to cling to power and control the wealth of the nation. They don't know. They think they are fighting their cause and for their religion. And even traditional religion has become mere fetishism and ritualization of evil. 
Ogwego, ritual killings, wickedness. It is no longer about self-sacrifice. It is no longer about community feeling and community life. It is now about how quickly to make money, even at the expense of others, to the point of killing and sacrificing them. That is what happens when our religion is not pure. And the society decays as our country, Nigeria, is decaying, full of religious people. But when your relationship with God is honest, pure, intense, based on love, even the clothes you are wearing, even your shed in the market, even your office, the classroom, all those places will be transformed and reflect the glory of God. And there appeared to him, or with him, Moses and Elijah. But before, Jesus went to this mountain, and the reason this time was to strengthen the apostles. He often went to pray alone. There are sometimes we are told he prayed with disciples, sometimes with all of them, and sometimes with only these three. Moses and Elijah appeared. Moses is regarded in biblical tradition as the prototype of the Messiah. He is the person who is regarded as manifesting the type of person the Messiah will be. Before Moses died, he told the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15, a prophet like myself, like me, will the Lord God raise up for you from among your among yourselves Moses promised them that God would raise a prophet like him who would deliver them from evil there have been various understandings maybe at that time they thought it was Joshua at other times they may have understood that as some other great leader but to show us that the Jews had not yet accepted any of those people as the prophet that Moses promised them, in John chapter 1, verse 21, when the Jews came to question John the Baptist, who was baptizing, they asked him, are you the Messiah? He said, no, I am not. Then, are you the prophet, that prophet that Moses promised us 
He said, no, I am not. Then they asked him, why are you baptizing? So, the prophet, like Moses, which the Jew, whom the Jews had been expecting, again, the prophet Malachi tells us in Malachi chapter 3, verse 23, that before the day of the Lord would come, God would send Elijah to announce the coming of the day of the Lord to turn the hearts of children to their fathers. That was why Zechariah in his canticle mentioned the birth of John as the fulfillment of that promise. So the presence of El Moses and Elijah was a completion, a fulfillment of in Jesus of all the promises of the Old Testament. Remember that God, Jesus had told us Speaking to the people in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. No, I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. So the presence of these two people, and remember the mystery surrounding the deaths of Moses and that of Elijah. Book of Deuteronomy tells us that up to now, nobody knows the grave of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 6. That made subsequent Jews assume that Moses even went directly to heaven. But the book tells us that Moses died and God buried him there. But up to now, nobody knows his grave. And of course, Elijah you remember his experience with his disciple Elisha in the second book of, book of Kings, chapter 2. Verse 11 says that as Elisha was looking on, Elijah was taken up in the chariot of fire. So these two, Moses and Elijah, were not just prototype and forerunners, forerunner of Jesus but also Old Testament models and representatives of what Jesus himself came to fulfill. That was to help the apostles. Because, because of their difficulty in understanding the message, the Son of Man is going to Jerusalem. He will be condemned, he will be rejected, he will be killed but he will rise. Because immediately after that experience, the voice comes from heaven and tells them, now you can see. Now you can bear witness. This is my beloved son, the chosen one. Listen to him. Because he is not just a human being, he is also my son. He is primarily my son, the beloved, the chosen one, the Messiah. Listen to him. 
What use is a prophet when people don't listen to him? Immediately when, after they came down, there was a difficult experience that the disciples had. When they came down from the mountain after the transfiguration, there was a man who brought his child who was sick, but there was an argument among the apostles because they could not cast out the demon. And Jesus, when he cast out the demon and the child, told them again, Luke chapter 9, verse 44, after they had heard, listen to him, Jesus told them, pay attention this time. Pay attention to what I am telling you. The Son of Man is to be handed over to men. Unless we pay attention to this message, unless we learn to listen to God, listening to his word revealed in Christ and in the recorded in sacred scripture, we shall not understand the mysteries of our life. Our life is usually lived between the valley and the mountain top. Very often in life, we encounter difficulties. We are face to face with the cross. Misunderstanding in the family, ill health, bereavement, lack of success in one's endeavor, poverty caused by others, insecurity, fear, and the Hail Holy Queen says we are living in a valley of tears. But from this valley, the Lord takes us by the hand and leads us up to the mountain top where we experience his presence and the light that makes us understand the difficulties we are going through in another light. His face dazzled and his clothes changed. And also, the apostles saw this glory even though they were heavy with sleep. But they managed to remain awake. Many of us miss the, the perception of the glory of God in our lives because we are asleep. When God reveals himself in our, to us in our daily lives, often we don't see him because we are morally and spiritually asleep. Peter said, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three boots. Well, some will tell you that Peter found the place so beautiful that he wanted to remain in the presence of the Lord. He had told them he was going to suffer in Jerusalem. 
and suddenly they came to a place filled with glory. Say a but Lord, please don't let that thing you are saying happen to you. You know, some Pentecostal ministries now use very strange words to impress their congregation. And one of the things you hear often, even from priests, some bazaars of fundraising that they want you to come and give money so that your life will be transformed. They will tell you you will have the experience of Shekinah. Mount. Shekinah means simply God's dwelling. And in the Old Testament, God's dwelling is represented by the presence of the cloud. You'll find that in the Exodus, and it was prophesied in the second book of Maccabees that this presence in the cloud will appear again in the Messianic times. The presence of that cloud reminded Peter and the apostles, for my son. You can't build him a house here. He's living in the presence of my glory. He does not need your house. All he needs is that you understand who he is and listen to him. Lord, it is good that we are here. As we experience your presence on this altar, on this mountain, on this mountain of Calvary, let it strengthen us and give us better and clearer understanding of what happens to us down in the valley. In the valley of our daily struggles, in the valley of our sweating, in the valley of our bleeding, in the valley of our tears. And may I invite all children of God, don't allow yourself to remain for too long in that valley. Our coming to Mass, weekly or daily, should really be an experience of going up to the mountain where we experience the glory of God to be able to face the challenges of the evil spirit in the valley of our daily lives. It is only after the resurrection, it is only at the end of our life that we can eventually dwell eternally with him in that Shekinah. Peter, James, and John, although they had this experience before the suffering of Christ, they didn't quite understand it. Jesus took them again to come with him to the garden, the valley of Kedron, the place where he was sweating blood and he was conversing with the Father. They heard the voice, but did not see this time. They were asleep. On the mounting of the transfiguration, they managed to remain awake. 
But in that valley of trial, they fell asleep. Because they fell asleep, they could not understand or withstand the challenges of the passion and the crucifixion, and they deserted him. But Peter would eventually refer to that letter in his life. In his letter, he wrote in second letter of Peter, chapter 1, from verses 16 to 18, Peter says, look, what we are teaching you, we did not just manufacture from popular story or from social media. What we are telling you, we got from the power of he who is the son of God. He received his glory on that holy mountain and we saw it. After the resurrection, that experience became more meaningful to them and it helped them to understand their own suffering. And finally, my dear brothers and sisters, after this experience, the apostles kept silence. The apostles kept, all of you repeat with me, the apostles kept silence. Draw it. The apostles kept silence. Not everything you hear, you must say. Not everything you know, you must reveal. Even before you finish hearing or seeing, you are already posting it on social media and Facebook. Uh, learn to keep silence for a better understanding. Our mother Mary kept all these things and treasured them in her heart. We are living in a generation without history and a generation without reservation about information to give. If it will not be understood, if it will mislead people, if it will lead others, if it is not told in charity, if it is not helpful, keep quiet. I know somebody who perceives, has the gift of perceiving anything serious that will happen to a person close to her. If her child, husband, close friend will have any problem of ill health, accident, trouble, she perceives it very clearly. What does she do? She contacts A, B, C. 
pray for this, this, this. And she herself goes into prayer. After the thing may have happened or may have nearly happened, she will call the person again and say, that was why I told you to pray. And I once asked her, why don't you tell the person concerned? She said, I am powerless. I can't say it. Supposing somebody sees that you will have an accident, perceive that you'll be in trouble in the next two, three days. She has a, he or she has a strong feeling. Remember, this is not about superstition. Some people have special gifts that we can't explain. Somebody knows you have some difficulty in the next few days, but does not know exactly the same day, the exact day. August you are going to have trouble. In very, will you be able to live your life? But also, intensify your prayer. This travel you are making, keep praying. I will pray for you. Without making you nervous. What we have in Nigeria today are all those, who, many, not all, many who receive such gifts, even before they perceive clearly, they have already started saying what they have seen. And the worst is that very often they reveal what they have not seen. Let us learn, to, like the apostles, to keep silence until when the information we will give will be helpful to others. Peace be with you.